0: a new journey uh, over the next probably couple of months at least in this book. I'm excited about uh, preaching it. I hope that you've read a little ahead of time and continue to read as we preach through this book. This morning our goal is to go from chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 11. And so if you have your copy of the Word of God, turn it there and I'll begin reading in Philippians 1 and verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus, this is, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity to look into your word, a word that indeed looks into us. I pray now as we discuss it, as we preach it, as we listen, that our hearts would be tender toward it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Paul wrote this letter from a Roman jail cell. He had been imprisoned for preaching the gospel, and he penned what is known by many here as the Epistle of Joy. A very short book, but those terms joy and rejoice occur no less than 14 times throughout the book. Now listen, it isn't the epistle of joy because Paul is telling all of us how to have joy. It's the epistle of joy because the one who wrote it was filled with joy as he was writing it. And when you read this letter, you can really sense that. This man was uh, locked up in a dungeon not knowing if he was going to be let go, not knowing if he was going to be killed, But yet when he wrote this letter, he was filled with joy. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a little bit of experience with jail. I have been locked up in one before I was saved a couple of times. And I can tell you that I did not have any joy when I was there. I also had the opportunity to work in a prison uh, for about six years. And I can tell you I was a maximum security uh, prison. And there were very few people in that prison, I would say, that had joy at all. Yet here's a man who's locked up, doesn't know if he's ever going to get out, and he's able to maintain joy in this Roman prison. Now, we can learn something from that, and it's this. They could take Paul's freedom, but they could not take Paul's joy. They could take his freedom, but they couldn't take his joy. Paul would have to give his joy for it to be gone. They didn't have the power to take it. And this is what you need to remember if you're a Christian. If you're saved, and you don't have joy, it's not because someone took it from you. You understand that? It's not because someone took it from you. You say, they stole my joy. No, they didn't steal your joy. No one can steal your joy. You have to give your joy away. That's the only. If you're saved, that's the only way that can happen. You know, I say, well, you know, where's your joy at? Some of you, maybe you left your joy down at the DMV, right? You said, well, you can have it. Maybe you left your joy down at the doctor's office because of what they said to you, or well, you can have it. Maybe you left your joy with some person who upset you, did something you didn't like. You said, well, you can have my joy. Friends, why are you giving something so precious away? Amen. You don't understand how precious your joy is, how hard you have to fight to maintain joy in this world to just give it away to the folks down at the DMV or the folks at the doctor's office or the fellow who made you upset? So this morning, we're going to look at five things Paul did that helped him maintain joy in this difficult time. Five things that he did that helped him maintain joy in this difficult time. The first thing I want you to see is we need to thank God for the believers in our life. He says that in verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Over 10 years earlier, God had called Paul to a place called Macedonia. And he preached the gospel for the very first time on the continent of Europe. People were saved, and this church at Philippi became the first church in all of Europe. If You want to read about that? You can find that in Acts chapter 16. Now, even though Paul came and preached there and good things happened, Paul was persecuted, Paul was put in jail, and Paul was beaten. His time in this little city of Philippi was difficult. But what is it he said he remembered? He didn't remember all that. He said, I remember you. I remember you believers. I remember you Christians. Not in a bad way, but he remembered them in such a way that he could thank God for them. Look at verse 4. He says, I thank God for all of you. Now, let, let me tell you how to protect joy in your life. Instead of remembering all the things that have hurt you in life, thank God for the people that he has put in your life. And when someone hurts you in your life, don't forget about all the joy that they have brought to you previously. Amen? Because I can tell you about 12 disciples who brought some joy to Jesus but also did some things that upset him as well and hurt him. Amen? And now, now, I want to give you an illustration here. Early in my ministry, I remember we had a, we had a church service and I could just sense in the congregation. And I'll tell you, that the devil is real. Amen? And the devil devil is active. When you're a pastor, you can sense it. When you're a pastor, you can see it starts out small, gets bigger, gets bigger, gets bigger. Before you know it, the church is split. It's ridiculous. But but as a pastor, you see this, and I could see things. You know, hey, I see the devil working. I said, you know what we're going to do tonight? We're going to have a praise service tonight. Everybody come back. Don't miss this service. And when everybody came in, I took their names, and I put them on a piece of paper. And I put them in in a bowl. And I started and I just pulled a name out randomly. And I read that name. And I asked that person. I looked at that person. Let's just say that person was Christina. I said, Christina, I want to tell you something. I just want to thank God. Because when you put together these worship services, it is so Christ-centered. And it brings me great joy to my heart to know that when I come to church, when I sing, it's going to be centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I said, all right, who's next? It was quiet finally somebody stood up said what they think thank God about that person then another one stood up and then and it was the longest service church but we went until that bowl was empty because the church needed to be reminded not of the little old idiosyncrasies in life the little bitty things but they needed to be reminded that there are reasons to thank God for people amen There are reasons to thank God for the people in the church, the people that he has put together. That turned out to be one of the greatest services that people remembered for years and years and years. Because we simply stopped and said, I want to thank God for the people in the church. Everyone left encouraged. Everyone left filled with joy. What if I did that to you, friend? What if I called on your name and called on another person in this church and said, I want to tell you to tell me a specific reason you thank God for that person? Don't do it, Brother Kyle. Don't do it. I'm not going to do it. Y'all calm down. Some of y'all holding your breath. But the question is, would you? Because I'll guarantee you for every person in this room, there's a reason to thank God. Amen? I don't care who it is. For every person in this room, there's a reason to thank God for them. question is, will we do it? Will we thank God for them? You want a church with joy? Start thanking God for each other. Start thanking God for each other. Make you a list of folks from church when you get home and challenge yourself in prayer like Paul said he did here to say, God, I want to thank you for them because of this. And if you can't find a reason to thank God for them, maybe you either need to forgive them or maybe you need to get to know them a little better. Amen? One of those two things. Our problem is we make a mental list of all the reasons someone gets on our nerves. And we do get on each other's nerves. It's just the truth, y'all. And the truth is we could not only make a list of all the reasons we thank God for each other, we could also make a list of all the ways that we get on each other's nerves. And that would be quick, wouldn't it? Amen. I'm done, Brother Kyle. Everybody's got issues, church. No one is perfect. But at some point in life, we have to make a decision on whether or not we're going to see the bad in people or we're going to choose to see what God's doing in people's life. And if you choose to dwell on what you don't like about people, you're going to be a miserable person. You are going to be the most miserable person. And that's your choice if you want to be miserable, right? You can be miserable, but just know miserable people do little for God because miserable people will quit everything. They'll quit everything. If you want to have joy, you need to think about all the ways the people of God are a blessing to you. That's what Paul did here. He said, when I think about you, they don't think the Philippian church is perfect. We're going to see they were fussing and fighting and there and all kind of stuff in this letter. But, but he didn't choose to focus on that. He focused on all the good that God was doing through these people. The second thing you need to do if you want to maintain joy in your life is pray for others. Look at verse 4 and verses 9 and 11. Always in every prayer of mine. And then in verses 9 and 11 we see how he prayed. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. Um, but, but I want you to notice here that he prayed with great frequency. He said always. And and notice that he prayed continually. He said, in every. And then he also, he prayed with joy. You know, how you think about people is going to determine if we pray for them. Some people, we think about these people, but we only think about them because we're upset with them. We only think about them because we don't like them. And if that's the way we think about a person, we're probably not going to pray for them. Probably not going to. Paul prayed for them because when he thought about them, he had joy in his heart. You ever say something like this? I don't even want to think about them because if I do, I'll get mad. You ever said something like that? I don't even want to think about those people because if I think about those people, I'll get so mad. And so what are you going to do? Act like that person doesn't exist? Act like that person doesn't matter at all to God? That's not helping anyone. It's hurting everyone. Charles Spurgeon said, four reasons why we should do everything with joy. Number one, he said it's good for God. He said when you have joy as a Christian, it honors God. He said, secondly, it's good for us. It'll make you strong. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Number three, he said it's good for the lost because they'll come into a church, you know, and they'll see the people of God have joy and they'll say, boy, I need that. I need joy in my life. And number four, he said it's good for our brothers and sisters in Christ because there are people struggling and it comforts them. To know that you have joy and you know what a joyful person will do he won't gossip about people he'll pray for people in verses 9 and 11 we see how Paul prayed for the people in the church number one that their love would abound you now God's love is unfathomable and when you get saved God pours that love in your heart Romans 5 5 you are filled with the love of God you can grow in that experience of love but every Christian loves God and every Christian loves people but every Christian can love God and people more right we can grow in that. And that's my prayer for us as a church. I pray that we'll love each other more. Jesus said, this is how the world will know that you belong to me, that you have love one to another. And if you start praying that, that, that people will love more, guess what will happen? You'll start loving more. Amen? You'll say, well, Lord, it needs to start with me, doesn't it? It needs to start with me. So he prayed that their love would abound. He prayed then that they would grow in knowledge and discernment. In other words, he doesn't want them to have a willy-nilly love that accepts everything as true and everyone as saved. He wants these people to know the Word. He wants them to have spiritual discernment. Look at verse 10. He says, you know, if you're filled with the knowledge and discernment, you're going to be able to approve what is excellent, and you'll be pure, and you'll be blameless, because good doctrine leads to good living. The more you know about God, the more you'll live for Him. The more you'll honor Him. And then look at the third thing, verse 11. Praying that they would be filled with spiritual fruit. Now the Bible speaks about a few different types of spiritual fruit. There's the fruit of the Spirit, and this deals with our character, that the character of a believer is to be transformed into sweet fruit as a result of abiding in Jesus Christ, the vine. We grow in our joy, we grow in our peace, we grow in our love. And then there's the fruit of evangelism, John, John 15, 16. Jesus spoke of this, that the life of the believer is to be salt and light to the world. That people should be coming to us and asking us about the faith that we have. And then thirdly, there's the fruit of praise, Hebrews thirteen fifteen: That the believer is to praise the Lord. He or she is to recognize the goodness of God and lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubt. And so Paul was praying for these people that they would have spiritual development in their life, that they would grow in the grace of the Lord. So instead of dwelling on all they were not, which would have robbed him of joy, amen? Instead of dwelling on all that they were not, he prayed that they would be all they could be in Christ. Amen? You want to have joy in your life, man? Make you a list of people and say, God, I pray that they will be filled with love. I pray that they'll be filled with knowledge. And I pray that the fruit of the Spirit would abound in their life. That's how he did it, y'all. He prayed for these people. The third way to maintain this joy according to this section is in verse 5 here. Recognize that the gospel has brought us together. Paul, notice here, he says that he had a partnership in the gospel with the Philippians. That word means fellowship. It means communion. In other words, they both believed in and preached the gospel because they knew that was the only hope of the world. That's it. And they continued. Paul continued in the gospel. The Philippians continued in the gospel. They didn't forsake it. And this is something that will help us to maintain joy. It's all about the gospel, folks. That's why we're here. Amen? When God gets through doing what he's going to do in this world through the gospel, we won't be here anymore. No matter what your eschatology is, you can agree with that, amen? Where you're pre, post, pan, whatever, it doesn't matter. Whatever you are, you know that when God gets through doing what he's going to do through the gospel, we're not going to be here any longer. It's the gospel. That's why we're here. We're not here for motivational speeches. We're not here for entertainment. We're not here to show off. We are here to propagate the gospel. And I'll tell you, I thank God for the gospel. Have you ever thought about this? Listen, I I would not know most of y'all if it were not for the gospel. You ever thought about that? You ever thought, thought about how many people you know because of the gospel? It is the gospel. That's brought us together. You can look around this room. Me and you could look around this room and say, there's no way I'd even know that person if it weren't for the gospel. Amen? We come together every week. Why? The gospel. We're partners. We come together in the gospel. And I'll tell you, that's enough to keep us happy. The Bible says when one sinner repents, there's rejoicing in heaven. Let me ask you a question. How long should that rejoicing last? Forever. Amen? Forever. it don't have a time limit. Hey, does the gospel matter to much to you as much to you today as it did the first day you were saved? It should, because 10,000 years from now, according to the book of Revelation chapter 5, 10,000 years from now, we'll be praising God for this same gospel that we're praising Him for in heaven. And we ought to rejoice in the gospel every day on earth because all we're going to do in heaven is rejoice in the gospel. The gospel is our business, church. This is our partnership. This is what we're doing coming together. And if you're involved in the work of the gospel, you're doing a great work. I shared a story, man, uh, Wednesday night, that if if it didn't break your heart, you don't have a heart. You hear me? We we had a, a meeting right over here, and this lady who had been shot three times, lady who had been shot three times came through the ministry center. We shared the gospel with her. We gave her food. We invited her to church. And then I saw her at Chick-fil-A working. And I saw her at Chick-fil-A working. And, and, and she was so happy to see me. And my first name's David. And she got the David off, name David off the card. And I was about to leave. I'd already eaten. And I could hear her, Mr. David, Mr. David, Mr. David. And she called me down. She came out. I guess she was on break. And, and she said, said to me how thankful she was for this church. Woman had been shot three times by her ex. She was in her twenties. And she said to me, Would you pray for me? She said, I'm having a baby. And if anything happens to my spinal column, it could be terrible. And I need prayer. And so we stopped right there in the middle of a busy Chick fil A and we prayed for her. That's joy, church. Amen. And all of you who came over there, and all of you who worked, and all of you who had just a little part in what we were doing, understand you are a part of that. You are a part of that. And how in the world will a church ever get a testimony that, that, that says we love God and we love people? It's doing things like that. When we come together in partnership, whether it's a vacation Bible school, whether it's a ministry outreach, whatever it is, when we come together, man, and we say, I'm going to love these people no matter what color they are, no matter where they come from economically, no matter where they've been, we're going to love them and we're going to share the gospel with them and we're going to invite them to church and if they come, we'll love them there. We're partners, y'all. And I'll tell you what, you want to get a church filled with joy. Now I'll tell you, there's always the devil who says, y'all need to stop doing that. You remember Nehemiah. Nehemiah was up on that on that wall, man. He was working. He said he was doing a great work, didn't he? he and the enemy said, "Hey Nehemiah, you don't have to stop forever. But just come to here. We said we'll talk to you about something." That's what they said to him. He said, "We just want to talk to you." And the guy's name was—he uh, was from Ono. And I'm like, if anybody's from Ono, I'm like, Oh no, Amen! Don't, don't come here. I got a sermon I preach on that called "Oh No." It's the folks from Ono. And they come up there, they're trying to get him to come down from the wall. And Nehemiah, he's such a cool guy Nehemiah 6, he says, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Nehemiah said, no. The work is too important. To stop and come down here and talk to you about something foolish that makes no sense at all. The enemy will always try to get you to stop working. When the gospel starts going forth, when a church starts getting on fire for God, when things start happening, come on down from the work and let's gossip. Come on down from the work and let's pout. Come on down from the work and let's point fingers. Come on down from the work and let's just sit down and be mad together. Amen? There's no joy. In that. There's no joy in that. So, what do you do? When you say, I'm doing a great work. That's what you do, amen? I can't do it. I'm doing a great work. Church, we are partners together in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the work we are doing is great. And Paul said, man, I am filled with joy because I recognize that we are all partners together in this beautiful work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Next reason, way that you can maintain joy and unity is look forward to the glorification of others. Look at verse 6. And I am sure of this, that they who began a work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. See, Paul said, look, I know some of you are knuckleheads. And some of you get on my nerves. He's going to talk about some of the people who get on his nerves in just a minute. But he also said this, I know that God's doing a work in your life. Amen? I know that the process of sanctification is happening. Listen, folks, God's still working on people. Amen? There's not a person in this room who's arrived. Not a single one, not one in this pulpit, no no one in this room has arrived. But you see, when we understand this, we're able to be patient with people. But not only did he know that God was not through with people, therefore, he wasn't going to get mad at everyone at the church. He, he said that he knew they would be glorified. He said, until the day of Jesus Christ. Hey, you ever think about this? You ever think about seeing fellow church members in heaven with their glorified bodies? I mean, seriously. As a pastor, I, I visit so many people who are sick and dying, and I, maybe I do it more than others because just because I do that. But but I do think about people in this church, even right here. I know some of you in this church. As long as I've known you, you've never had hair. <laughs> but I believe in heaven, you will. I do. I believe that's a part of being glorified. Amen. I may not even recognize you. I'm say, who in the world is that? Oh, you know who that is. He's going like that. Oh, that's who that is. I think about Charles Haywood. Charles Haywood, he's going to be able to talk in heaven. Amen? Clear as day. Those who are born with handicaps, you're going to look at them, they're going to look so different. Paul said that. He said, man, I think about you. And when I think about you, I think about your sanctification and I think about your glorification. And that gives me great joy. Do you rejoice in the glorification of other people? When you think about the people you go to church with, do you rejoice in the fact that one day they're going to be in heaven and they're going to be rid of every burden and every trial they ever faced on this earth? Do you long to see people perfectly whole in heaven? Paul rejoices in their glorification. We've become so accustomed to looking at everyone from an earthly perspective, you know. We see their deficiencies. It's all we see. But Paul understands the grace of God is not stagnant. That it's moving believers in a process from justification to sanctification and ultimately to glorification. So how can you not have joy when you look around at the people in church and think, you know what, one day they'll be able to run again. One day, they won't give out a breath just cleaning the kitchen. One day, their hands won't shake. One day, they won't be plagued with that back pain that they have to deal with every single day. How can you think about that and not rejoice? God is going to do a great work in His people. He justified them. He's sanctifying them. And he's ultimately going to glorify them. And so because Paul's mind was set on these beautiful theological doctrines, he was able to look at people who often got on his nerves, look at people who often disagreed with him, and still praise God for them. Let's be honest. The reason we lose our joy is people. Amen? Amen. That's why people like animals so much, you know? True? But God so loved the world. God loves those people, amen? God's doing a work. And our mind has to be set on that. And then the fifth and final way to maintain joy is in verse 7, to understand what is required of you. Look at verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace. Paul said, you know what? I feel this way and I should. It's an interesting word there. The word there speaks of um, a necessity, a requirement on his part. In other words, this is what God would have for him. He should feel this. Because, you know, some people are just positive people and it's so easy for them. I don't get the idea that Paul was this positive guy when you look at his history. But the grace of God made him see things differently. And he said, because of God, I'm I'm required to do this. Why? Because, he said, you and I are partakers of the same grace of God. Now, there's no doubt this church was diverse. The Bible lists three people that were saved from there. Listen to them. Number one, it was Lydia, who was a rich woman. The next person it lists that got saved there was a young girl who had been demon possessed. So imagine what this girl was like. And the third one that was mentioned was a jailer. So you got a rich woman, you got a young girl who had been demon possessed, and you got a guy who worked in a prison. That's a pretty diverse group, isn't it? That's a diverse group of people. And there was only one church in Philippi, so that meant they would, have, they would have went to the same one. They would have attended the same church. And guess what these people were required to do when they got there? They were required to love one another. They were required to forgive one another. They were required to serve one another. Here's a good question for you, friend. How do I feel about the people at church? Be honest, amen? And then ask yourself this question. Is that right? Is that right? Because Paul said, the way I feel about you is right. You see, our problem is we've been brainwashed by church movements that aren't biblical. The church is not a business. We're not here to say the customer is always right. Amen? Not at all. The church is a family. That's how it's described in the Bible. As a family. The church is not a place to come and be entertained. It's a family. And if you have a church, buddy, listen to me now. If you have a church where the Word of God is being preached, and there's a lot of people giving speeches at church, but they're not preaching the Word of God verse by verse, line by line, jot and tittle. They're not doing that, I'm telling you. If you have a church that preaches the Word of God verse by verse, praise God. Number two, if you have a church where sin is dealt with in a biblical way, praise God. Now, if you've got a church that allows sin to run rampant, allows people to do whatever they want to do and stay in leadership positions and stay, keep doing their stuff and no one ever talks to them about it, you need to get out of that church. Because that church isn't doing anything but helping people go to hell. That's all they're doing. Repent is a word Jesus loved to use. And it's a word the greatest preacher other than Jesus, John the Baptist, loved to use. If you're at a church where the Word of God is being preached, praise God. If you're at a church where sin is being dealt with in a biblical way, praise God. And if you are at a church where the gospel is being shared with the lost, praise God. If you're at a church that don't care about nothing, they don't care about their community, they don't care about lost people, yeah, maybe you need to find a new church. Because we're not a country club. This isn't a cruise ship we're on. It's, It's a battleship that we're on, right? It's the gospel ship that we're on. But I tell you, if you got a church where the word of God's being preached, if you've got a church that deals with sin, if you've got a church that share them with lost people, you ought to just praise God. Praise God and move on, man. Move on with the people of God, move on with the things of God. You know what? God brings you to a church, and this is what he says. And every person God saves, he sends to a church. He does. And this is what God says. God says, when you get there, now you love them people that are there. When you get there, you hold them in your heart. That's what he said. When you get to that church, you're, this is your requirement now, you love the people and you hold them in your heart. What's the greatest commandment, church? Love God and love people. Right? But too often we're out here saying, well, I'm going to try to do something great for God. Well, here's something great you can do for Him. Love people. Amen? Doesn't get any better than that. According to the Word of God, love people. Because here's the thing: doesn't matter what you do for God, if it's done without loving the people you're serving, then the Bible says it counts as nothing. Is it hard to love people? Man, come on. I've been doing this for over 20 years as a preacher. Yes, it's hard. Are you kidding me? You know how many phone calls I get a week? You know how many texts? How many emails? I was talking to somebody the other day, and I, I, I thought it was such an interesting thing. In all my years of being in ministry, I'd never thought about this, about why depression comes into my life and so many preachers' lives. And, and this hit me out of the blue. It's like, you know, every day, every day someone shares bad news with me. Could you imagine that? Every day someone comes because someone's mad. Every day, someone comes because someone's in sin. Every day, someone comes because someone's in the hospital. Every day, someone comes because somebody died. That's bad news. And I was thinking, no wonder the joy for me is so often given up. Because there's such a burden in this life to deal with. And so, listen, I understand when you think about, oh, pastor, it's hard. Please, no, I know it's hard. But that's how you grow in grace. That's how you grow in grace. You're patient with people. You forgive people. You're hopeful. Instead of going to like whatever could be the worst situation, you think the best about that person greatest thing you can do for your own sanctification is settle down in a godly church and love God and love the people there. You hear me? The greatest thing you can do for your spiritual sanctification is to settle down in a godly church and love God and love the people there. And every time you're tempted not to love them, push it away and love them again. Amen? I'll promise you. If you will do that, you'll experience a great level of joy in your life. Listen to me, friend. Did you know that if you're saved, God rejoices in you? In you. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Isn't that a powerful verse? Now what if God said... You know, I'm going to look at this old boy and find some reasons not to rejoice over him. Wouldn't take him long. You hear me? He could find a reason that happened on the church way to church this morning. Amen, wouldn't take him long. He didn't have to go back in a long catalog. But you know what God chooses to see in me? Christ. Doesn't he? What will we choose to see in each other? I hope it's Christ. I hope and pray it's Christ. Paul did it for the Philippians. And that's why he had such joy. Can we do it for each other? Now listen to me. If you're not saved, you can't do this. It is not in the natural man to have the power and the ability to do what Paul's saying here. The only can do, way you can do this is if you're saved. If you haven't come to Christ, I want to encourage you, turn from your sins this morning. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died and rose again for you. And call on Him with sincerity and say, oh God, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner. I turn from my evil ways. Forgive me and save me. And if you do that and you mean it, He'll save you. He'll save you this morning. Maybe you say, well, well Pastor, I'm saved. But I tell you what, I've, I've been leaving my joy at the Jiffy store and leaving it down here at the gas station when I look at them pumps and leave him a joy over here at the restaurant when I get the bill. Leave him a joy at the in-laws house. I've got joy spread out all over this county, pastor. Amen. I'm just handing it out like gospel tracts, man. Well, dear friend, it's not difficult to come back. Just say, "Oh God, help me." Help me to see you. Help me to see your people as brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul in a jail cell riding to an imperfect church said, When I think about you, I'm filled with joy. Amen. And I hope to God that everybody in this room, when you think about Jefferson Street Baptist Church, imperfect, you bet. Arrived, no way. But if I look back, I can say, Thank God we're not there anymore. Amen? Thank God we're not there anymore. (coughs) With every head bowed, Father in heaven, thank you for loving us. And thank you for Jesus in our life who gives us joy. We do pray that as Paul was filled with joy that we would be. That we would dwell upon the memory of your people. That we would think about the fact that they are being sanctified and that they will one day be glorified. And that we are partners together in this wonderful gospel. And as we think about those things, we'd be filled with joy. Use this invitation, we pray for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand if you will. As we have a time of invitation, you come as as God calls.
1: Come, every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. And he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. Only trust him, only trust him only trust him now he will save you, he will save you, he will save you now for Jesus shed his precious blood rich blessings to bestow plunge now to the crimson flood That washes white as snow Only trust Him Only trust Him Only trust Him now He will save you He will save you He will save you For Jesus is the truth, the way, that leads you into rest. Believe in him without delay, and you are fully blessed. Only trust him, only trust him. Only trust Him now, He will save you, He will save you, He will save you
0: now. If you will, it's a blessing uh, today. You never know what God's going to do, do you? Amen. Here at at Jefferson Street Baptist Church, and we're grateful. So we have a little bit of business we're going to take care of. Um, uh, this morning, and I want to ask Miss Betty McCoy if she'll come up here. Some of you know Miss Betty. Uh, She's been coming for a little while now. Uh, She's kind of in and out sometimes, so maybe some of you don't uh, don't know her too well, Uh, but she's been coming probably, I would guess, for about a year now, probably, and uh, no pressure's been put on her or anything like that, but she just feels like, you know, this is the place that God would have her to be, and I'm thankful for that, and if you rejoice in that, how about a big hearty amen? Now she's already a Christian. She's been saved. She's been baptized. She's a member of a, of a sister church. And uh, she's moving her membership here. Uh, those of you who know that we do have a we have a membership class. So they are members now. And uh, these who are coming today, eventually they'll be going through our membership class and be completely confirmed. Uh, but they are technically members now as well. So we praise the Lord for you. Anything you want to say to this bunch of folks? Glad to be with you. Amen. She's glad to be with us. And we're glad to be with you. Now it's your choice. Now, you can stand here, um, or when I pray, you can run and leave, all right? Now, if you stand here, stand here, what they'll do is some of these people are going to come up, and they're going to kiss you on the jaw, they're going to hug your neck, they're going to tell you how grateful they are, and so um, I don't see any masks, so as long as you're all right with all that, we're, we're good with that, okay? Well, amen. We're glad to have you. What a blessing it is. And Miss Gloria, I'm going to ask Miss Gloria to come up here as well. Uh, some of I would imagine that most of you probably don't know who Miss Gloria is. Uh, today was her first day actually visiting uh, our, our church. I've been meeting with her for some uh, 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 some moments where we can discuss the church and things like that. So we have had a lot of time together. But uh, it really surprised me when she came down and said, "Yeah, I just believe this is where God would have me." Amen. So she came and, and she's already a Christian, she's already been baptized, she's a member of a sister church, and she comes as well and she expressed interest in being a part of this body to be here to grow, to love the Lord. If you rejoice in that, you to respond with a hearty amen. 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 And we're glad to have you, Miss Glory. Anything you'd like to say to this bunch of folks? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I'll say the same thing that I said to her. If you want to stay here, they'll come up and they'll show you love. If not, you can jet out of here and nobody will hold that against you. I say that and you say, why do you say that, Pastor? Because some people have told me they don't feel comfortable with that. And I'm like, well, the Bible doesn't say you have to do that. Amen. I don't ever want to make somebody do something that the Bible says they don't have to do. Amen. But what's a good day? Amen. Aren't you glad you came to church? I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. And uh, don't forget tonight we start a new series in 2 Corinthians. Uh, so come on out tonight at six o'clock, and and we'll be getting together for, for the Word of the Lord there as well. Uh, Bryce, are you here? Where's Bryce at? Bryce is gonna come up now. Don't forget about hey, don't forget about choir. Christina needs those names today. Do you want to say anything about that, Christina? Yes, if you feel led and you like to praise the Lord in song, put your name on that list, and we'll have a Christmas All right. Um, and don't forget also about the trunk or treat. We really need to, um, Amanda and Danny are getting all the candy and stuff for that together, and they really need to have a, an, an idea of how much candy and stuff we're buying for that. So um, I know you think, well, I've got a lot of weeks to sign up for that. If, you're, if you know you're going to do it, please go ahead and sign up uh, for, for, to bring a trunk. And remember, if, if your wife's bringing her car as well, sign y'all both up, because we, we want to make sure we can get to 20 cars out there, and that'll be on October the 30th, which is a Sunday night, and it'll be from 5.30 to 7. That's, that, that'll be the times. All right. Bryce, you got anything you want to add? I think
1: we're good. All right. All
0: right, let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for this morning. And I pray that you would just uh, allow the message that we've heard from your word to resonate with us, Lord. I pray that you would help us to live in ways that uh, we just have joy in you. That we're able to rejoice in you, rejoice in what you do in our lives, in the lives of other believers, Lord. That we might not live with a focus on all of the things that may go on around us in the world, but that we find ways to rejoice in you and in your work. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.